Five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Walking through the rooms of our sacred home, where our base hammock dust stood. Now the foxes roam, overcome with grief by their awful plight. Such a desecration to the holiest of sights. But one man shed no tears. He just stood there, laughed and smiled. He answered their confusion and explained. This destruction was foretold before our home is built anew. So I smile as I see those words come true. And though we wait for so many years, our faith remains the same. That soon the time will come when we will know of no more pain. And though we've cried. So many tears, we are comforted by you. Akiva, Akiva, Nicham How could we have known it would take this long? Clinging to your hopeful words, trying to be strong. You're the one who taught that we too can find. Beyond the pain and sorrow, there is a greater plan in mind. That one day we'll see the glory. Of our eternal base amikdash, as the sounds of laughter fill our streets again. Our elders and our children in the city of our King, and though we wait for so many years, our faith remains the same. That soon the time will come when we will know of no more pain. Though we've cried so many tears, we are comforted by you. Comfort.
Thank 
J.M. in the A.M. The amazing uh, Benzion Solomon. That is called Lachadodi. Before that, the Solomon Brothers. This is a day that um, many, many, many of us around the globe have the Solomon family in mind, knowing what happened yesterday to their homes in Mavomodin, uh, knowing what the um, residents, they, the, their neighbors, their friends are going through at the moment. It is, um, it is impossible to believe, frankly, that the damage is on the 
scale that it is. Um, dozens of houses burned to the ground. At least 3,500 people evacuated from their homes Thursday after more than 20 fires raged across Israel. Injuries were minimal, with just several people lightly injured or treated for smoke inhalation. Public Security Minister Gilad Erdan cautioned Israelis Thursday night there's a good chance that tomorrow, meaning Friday, is going to be worse than today. If we get through Friday, this will be behind us, he said in a briefing. From late Wednesday night till at least late Thursday, teams of professional and volunteer firefighters were battling flames exacerbated by high temperatures reaching 37 degrees centigrade in some parts of the country and strong winds. By the way, today, one, right now, 100 degrees in Yerushalayim. Israel's requested firefighting assistance from nearby countries. Russia has offered support. The first fire broke out near Beit Haggai in the South Hebron Hills, followed by others. The residents of Moshav Mavomodi'in were evacuated from their homes Thursday afternoon after a massive fire engulfed the area. At least 16 private homes in the area were in flames Thursday night, according to police. Yonina Libin, whose mother lives in Mavomodin, was visiting the community when the fire began encroaching from the surrounding forests. She said, there was definitely a lot of fire. People for sure lost homes and everything they have. She said that when the fire looked like it was getting close, as far as we are aware, all of the residents were evacuated safely. Lag Balmer is a vacation day, so a lot of people were visiting at that point. In addition to Mavomo Dien, residents of Ben Shemen, Gimzu, and uh, Piskat Zev were also evacuated, as were all personnel at the Mitkan Adam IDF Army Base in Modiin. Tarum, a Moshav north of Beit Shemesh, was evacuated. So this has been, I mean, this has just. What happened in Modi'in, and I spoke with Shlomo Katz this morning and, and met anybody out there who is familiar with the history of uh, Modi'in and the Kalbach connection knows that certain families are very, very close uh, to the community. Obviously, the Solomons who um, who live there, and we know Ben Sion Solomon, of course, for you know 40 years, and and he has lost his home, and two of his children have lost their homes. And um, anybody who knows the Katz brothers, Shlomo and Eitan, know that they have a tremendously close connection to everybody who's living there. Uh, anybody familiar with Neshama Kalbach, you know of her connection there, obviously. And there are many, many more people who are just very, very well connected to Moshav Mavomodin. Uh, I spoke with Shlomo Katz a few minutes ago, maybe a half hour ago, and uh, literally he and his neighbors in Efrat are, are loading up cars full of uh, clothing and other needs to bring after Havdalah straight to uh, Modi'in to help as many people as possible with their immediate needs and long-term needs. And um, there is a fund that has been set up, and we have asked all the appropriate questions about this fund to make sure that it, every single penny is going to those who need it. And um, I say it that way because the fund was not set up by people from our community. Um, it was set up uh, basically uh, through a combination of people from our community and others. 
So Shlomo says to me that uh, he has, of course, uh, attached his name to this fund, as have many others, so we should all feel very confident when we give that uh, we are giving to a, uh, to a, a cause, a fund, that will directly benefit those who are in this urgent time of need. And the fund, in addition to Shlomo and his wife, the, um, the fund is being supported and being promoted by Brachi and Ari Sprung, by Neshama Kalbach and Rabbi Menachem Creditor, by uh, Naomi and Yehuda Solomon. We mentioned uh, Bina and Rabbi Shlomo Katz, uh, Emuna and Yael uh, Saidi, uh, Hani and Edan Perlstein, Ilana Weinstein, and Dari Kalbach and Ari Leichberg. So there's a lot of names there that are familiar to us and a lot of names there that are really very, very close to the community. Um, so many of you have gotten the email, uh, especially if you're uh, on Shlomo Katz's um, email list, you would have gotten it. Uh, that gives you a direct way to uh, to donate. Uh, otherwise, I've put it on my Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook and to my profile, Nahum Siegel, you will see uh, the fund right there. You can click on it and go. Uh, I'll give you the address. It's a little bit complicated, and I think the other two methods are easier. But for some people, um, you simply may not have any other way to get to it. So let me give it to you. It's um, HTTP. S uh, colon slash slash app dot mobile cause dot com slash VF slash crisis. Again, it's HTTPS colon slash slash app dot mobile cause dot com slash VF slash crisis. That is the address that got us there. It's a Moshav Mavomo DM. You can probably search it. Moshav Mavomodi and Emergency Relief. They've raised just over $100,000. They have set half a million dollars for this initial goal to help the community. Uh, I obviously am giving now. I'll be doing that in a second. Anybody out there wants to help, try to do so. Remember, you'll find it on my Facebook profile, so just click on it and give. And, um, oh, also in the app. If you go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. If you go to the app, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone, you will see, I write there, to donate to Mavomo an Emergency Fire Fund, and then you'll see the address right there. Uh, so you can cut and paste that and literally uh, and literally give on the spot. All right, so um, whatever you could do, believe me, it'll be helpful. That's for sure. More coming up. Keep it here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. You are listening to JM in the AM. Bye-bye. 
מונח של סבון, ומרוב שטיפת כלים נוצר כאב בגב תחתון. J.M. and the A.M., uh, that's, of course, the Solomon Brothers, who are from uh, Moshav Mavomodin, which has had that disaster, that uh, that indescribable fire that we've been speaking about. Uh, you heard Ben Sion Solomon, you heard uh, Ohad with Levado, Akiva done by Baruch Levine, Mordechai and David brand new with Kedai, and, of course, Regesh and Modani opening things up. We say good morning, and we remind everybody to give generously to the uh, to the fund that has been established for emergency relief from Moshav Mavomodin. Uh, if you're on Shlomo Katz's email list, you will see the address there. If you're on my Facebook profile, go to Facebook. You will see it there. Uh, I've just posted it. Um, Shlomo and a whole list of reliable people have said every penny is going to go to the uh, community, so give what you can. Um, uh, if you have the NSN app, if you have the Nahum Single Network app, if you're listening on the app right now, literally go to the comments right now and you will see the address. I just posted it to donate to the Mavomodin Emergency Fire Fund and I have the address. You could literally cut and paste it on your phone and give through your phone and take care of that immediately. So you have a lot of methods. We encourage everybody to give. It's Friday morning on this May 24th and 19th of ER, day 34. Today is day number 34 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks and six days. Zerv Shabbos Parsha's Bahar outside of Israel, candle lighting at 7.54 in the New York area. Monday is Memorial Day. Monday is Memorial Day. Keep that in mind. Uh, and we will be here. We'll be here between uh, 6 and 9 a.m., even though it is a legal holiday. Hey, I got to take this opportunity and um, wish a very special Mazel Tov to Sharona and Yankee Khan. You know, Yankee, every, friends have different roles in this, uh, you know, in, 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 in one's life. Friends have different roles. 
Yanki is my friend who's my Musa Rebbe when it comes to Bitacho, when it comes to faith. <laughs> no joke. And uh, he, uh, he told me the beautiful news last night that uh, Suri and uh, Surly Schwartz had a brand new baby boy. I believe they will all be celebrating the Shalom Zacher tonight in Lakewood, New Jersey. So to, so to Sharona and Yankee Khan, a major mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And uh, the, uh, the young man, the baby, should grow up to be the same incredible uh, Balbi Tachon and wonderful person that his grandfather is. So Sharona and Yankee, mazal tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. And send our best down to Surly and Suri as uh, they celebrate this wonderful occasion. Always great to uh, fill the early morning with some good news here at JM in the AM. Uh, 67 degrees outside, mostly sunny with a high of 76. Then tonight, partly cloudy, low 57. Tomorrow, mostly sunny, a high 70. Yerushalayim, as we said earlier, 100 degrees. No joke. One of the reasons that these fires are uh, doing the damage that they're doing, unfortunately, in Israel. Here in New York, 67, as we wake up on a Friday era of Shabbos at JM in the AM. More coming up. It's 20 minutes before 7 o'clock. Uh, we're one hour away from the weekly update. We will have that for you. Weekly update, of course, uh, uh, with Malcolm Honline, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. We'll have that for you coming up. Rabbi Yudin at 8.15 on Parshas Bahar. Uh, Shani Hyken's going to join us. Yom Yerushalayim dinner is coming up. We'll do that in the 7 o'clock hour. And plenty more on a Friday right here at JM in the AM. Again, speaking of uh, Moshab Mavomodi'in, Yehuda Solomon, who's as connected to the Moshav as anybody else, here he is with the Shlomo Kalbach Vishamru on a Friday, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. <laughs> Hey. 
Thank 
Younger wrapping up, wrapping up the hour, I should say, with Mach Abrocha here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, you heard the uh, Avram Freed Kapara, Hinani from Avram Freed, and Yehuda Solomon with the Shamru as we remind everybody what, about what's happening in Mavomodin and surrounding areas after the big fires in Israel yesterday. It's, uh, America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners, sponsored digital radio, around the world, the web, and NachumSingle.com, on the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. Galay Tzal in the background, Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Friday is next. Boker Tov from Jamie.
גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן גוני כהן עם מה שקורה עכשיו. דרמה בבריטניה. ראש הממשלה תרזה מיי הודיעה לפני שעה קלה שתעזוב את תפקידה בשבעה ביוני בעקבות משבר הברקזיט. בנאום מיוחד שנסעה מחוץ לרחוב דאונינג מספר עשר מעונה הרשמי, אמרה מיי, עשיתי הכל אך נכשלתי. עכשיו ברור לי שראש ממשלה חדש שיוביל את הליך הברקזיט זו טובת המדינה. כך ראש ממשלת בריטניה שהוסיפה בבכי, בקרוב אעזוב את העבודה שהייתה העונג הגדול בחיי, כאישה השנייה בתפקיד, אך בוודאי לא האחרונה. אני עושה זאת בתודה גדולה להזדמנות שהייתה לי לשרת את המדינה שאני אוהבת. כך מעים. מנהיג האופוזיציה בבריטניה, ג'רמי קורבין, אמר היום בתגובה על ההתפטרות, מי הבינה עכשיו את מה שידעה המדינה במשך חודשים, היא לא יכולה לשלוט וגם לא על מפלגתה המחולקת והמתפוררת. עוד אמר קורבין, יש לקיים בחירות כלליות בהקדם האפשרי. הערכות שיא לקראת גל שריפות נוסף בעקבות השרב הכבד. שישה צוותי כיבוי ומתנדבים פועלים בשריפה הסמוכה לפדואל. בשלב זה הוחלט על פינוי שכונת הקרוונים בסמוך ליער. כוחות נוספים בדרכם. מוקדם יותר היום אמר ראש הממשלה נתניהו בביקור בתל חדיד, המראות קורעי לב, אני שוקל להגדיל את טייסת הכיבוי שלנו כדי שתהיה זמינות מלאה לעצירת שריפות שטח. כתבתנו הדס שטייף מוסרת שצוותי כיבוי קרקעי מקפריסין כבר הגיעו לישראל בעקבות בקשת הסיוע אמש. ממשרד החוץ נמסר כי מטוסי כיבוי מיוון, קרואטיה ואיטליה צפויים לנחות בארץ בשעות הקרובות. ברקע המאמצים האחרונים לגיבוש קואליציה, יושב ראש ישראל ביתנו, אביגדור ליברמן, חושף הבוקר, דחינו הצעות מהליכוד ללכת למסלול של ממשלה אחרת. בכנס של קק"ל בנתיבות הוסיף ליברמן, אני מעריך את נתניהו, התוצאות בבחירות היו מוחלטות, אך בסופו של דבר הוא לא הצליח לחתום על הסכם עם אף מפלגה. פעם ראשונה מאז הקמת המדינה שמישהו מנצח בגדול בבחירות ולא מצליח להקים ממשלה בגלל יוהרה. כך ליברמן. בליכוד הגיבו על דבריו של יושב ראש ישראל ביתנו וכתבו, הפנייה היחידה של הליכוד לליברמן הייתה ונותרה להצטרף לממשלת ימין בראשות נתניהו. לא תהיה שום חלופה אחרת כפי שקבעו אמש ראשי הסיעות הממליצות לשון ההודעה. והתחזית גם היום צפוי כאמור שרב מלווה בעומסי חום כבדים עד קיצוניים, מחר הקלה ניכרת. ברשות הטבע והגנים נמסר כי בעקבות מזג האוויר הקיצוני יש להימנע מטיולים בשטחים פתוחים, כמו גם במסלולי אופניים. אלה החדשות. With 
with nightfall came destiny betrayed the veil concealing another yet a sister's shame not her shattered dreams to cold of her heart and her senses mama rachel cry for us again won't you shed a tear for your dear children if you raise your sweet voice now is then the day will shed a tear for your dear children in a roadside grave she was laid to rest in solitude forever but her voice Her daughters and sons bound for exile When her plaintive cry gained divine consent A challenge to her maker Can the mercy of mere flesh and you shed a tear for your dear children if you raise your sweet voice now is then the day will come mama rachel cry for us again won't you shed a tear for your dear children Your voice is still as you heed the call of Minikoelechmibehi. It's our Father's will, He who made us all. There we ask of you to defy it. Yet a frightened child Numb from pain and grief Remains forlorn and uncertain Clinging to the faith That 
of truth but the long white rose and the chanting in the streets it left you cold your soul still had to see what you're looking for is right there at your door believe me when I tell you friend you couldn't ask for more what your heart has known is that there is no place like home so come on back oh you'll never be alone and when the others came so gently as peaceful as a dove they stirred something inside of you they only spoke of love but your mind cried out what of history 
the hatred to my race And you knew then you still had not found your place What you're looking for is right there at your door Believe me when I tell you, friend, you couldn't ask for more What your heart has known is that there is no place like home So come on back, or you'll never be alone. Despairing and confused, it traveled far and wide. But you passed through one small country where you started feeling pride. So you found a place to study what you thought was ancient law. And you wish you'd learned about it all before on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bahar outside of Israel. In Israel, it's Buchu Kosai. Candle lighting in New York, 754. Memorial Day weekend coming up. Day 34 in the counting of the Omer. If you got the count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. It's Journeys, of course, with uh, No Place Like Home. Before that, you heard the uh, Mama Rachel off of Journeys, volume number four. And I remind you that... Um, in light of what happened at Moshav Mavomodin and other communities in Israel, there's an emergency fund that has been set up. I spoke to Shlomo Katz about it early this morning. And uh, whatever you can give would be appreciated. There are people now, tens of families without homes, literally, and without anything they've ever had before. Um, we posted the address, we posted the link uh, that you could literally copy and paste into your browser on the app. If you go to the comment section of the app, you'll see it. I commented, uh, I said that to donate to Mavomodin Emergency Fund, 
Fire Fund. Literally, you just copy and paste it into your browser, and you can give straight from your phone. Also, if you're on Shlomo Katz's email, he sent that out in his email overnight. Just click the Donate button. And also, if you're on Facebook, go to Nachum Siegel on Facebook. You will see that I posted it uh, in my profile. And literally, again, just click there, and you can go straight and uh, and donate. And as Shlomo Katz assured me this morning, because he's very familiar, as are a lot of familiar names for us with the fund, um, every penny is going to be used for the families in uh, Mavomodian. Um, and as I said earlier, uh, there are a lot of very familiar names, whether it be Solomon or Kalbach or Landsbaum or Katz, a lot of familiar names to us that have close ties or are residents of the Moshav. So please keep that in mind and please give as generously as possible. JM and the AM on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. A reminder, the Yeshiva University Athletics Department has announced the inductees of the Athletics Hall of Fame class of 2019. Join us on June the 3rd as we celebrate the accomplishments of this distinguished group representing the university's highest ideals. Congratulations to Irv Bader, Steve Melner, Alex Trayman, Hadar Weiss, Josh Haston, Dave Kufeld, Elizabeth Penn, Shai Samet, and Rebecca Yosher. To RSVP or place an ad in the dinner journal, yuhalloffame.com. yuhalloffame.com. JM the AM Friday morning, this coming Thursday night. This coming Thursday night, big, important event in New York City. For those of us who care about Jerusalem, for those of us who care about our brothers and sisters in this city, and those of us who care about the future of the city. The American Friends of Atarat Kwanim, Jerusalem Chai, invites you to celebrate Yom Yerushalayim. A drop early on Thursday night, the 30th of May, at the Marriott Marquis on Broadway in New York City. The dinner will be chaired by Joey and Jennifer Honig, Jack and Lillian Stroor, guests of honor Aviva and Paul Gross, in memory of their father, Joe Mermelstein, the great Joe Mermelstein. Uh, many distinguished honorees, uh, in addition to... Uh, to the grosses, and um, this is all happening, as I said, Thursday night, May 30th, is coming Thursday night, Marriott Marquis, New York City, and I believe that Rabbi Goldstein from California, uh, I believe that um, uh, that Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein of Chabad of Poway, who made us all so proud during that horrific episode, is actually going to be the guest speaker this coming Thursday night. With us live via telephone, the Executive Vice President American friends of Atari Kornim, Jerusalem Chai, uh, Shani Heikind is with us live via telephone. Shani, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you very, very much, Nachama Gutenner of Shabbos, to you and all of your listeners. And you believe correctly, we have the uh, privilege of listening to a hero of the Jewish people, Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein of the Chabad of Poway, California. The ordeal he went through, the heroism he displayed, wow! And to have him grace the presence of our dinner, grace us with his presence at our dinner, is going to be quite, quite something. Um, he unfortunately faced down, or fortunately he faced down, uh, hatred and terror and lost a beloved congregant, Lori Kay. And, uh, and, and sadly, we have faced down, you know, 
terrorists in our holy city of Yom Yerushalayim, and the families that we represent, the Atarat Konim families, whether they live in the heart of the old city, in the so-called Muslim and Christian quarters, or in Kidmat Zion, or in Malay Hazesim, or in Yemenite village, what the world refers to as Silwan, and we say it's our Yemenite village. Our families have faced terror, and they persevere. They never run away. They're not intimidated. They believe in Atarat Kohanim's mission, renewing Jewish life in the heart of the old city and the neighborhood surrounding the old city, Armageddon, Yerushalayim, the defense of Jerusalem. And this dinner pays tribute to somebody whose name you just mentioned, a trailblazer, a visionary, our wonderful, dear Joe Mermelstein, Oliver Shalom, whose terrific kids, Aviva and Paul Gross, are our guests of honor. Where would a Terraconium be today? Where would, uh, what would Yerushalayim look like today in the old city without the love that Joe Mermelstein had for, for his city, for our city? And we pay tribute to him this, thir- this coming Thursday night, May 30th, um, in his memory, Aviva and Paul, who are just terrific, living the legacy of their wonderful father, Joe Mermelstein. Yeah, I'm sure his family knows what kind of hero he was, that's for sure. No question about it. So many people know, from, from Natan Sharansky to Bibi Netanyahu, everybody knew the giant, the gentle giant that Joe Mermelstein was. In fact, when I first started working in 1991, is that how many times I've gone on your show since 1991? <laughs> Very possible. Very no? possible. <laughs> Very possible. Right? And Joe Mermelstein, all of a sudden, was like one of the first people I ever met, together with Joe Frager and, and, and the people who have moved a tarot coin. And Joe ranks among them as, as the best and the dearest, and um, we pay tribute to him this this coming Thursday night. Um, besides Aviv and Paul as our as our guests of honor, bringing out terrific friends and supporters from the Woodmere community, um, we are paying tribute to Rabbi. Mayor and Brindy Melnick. Rabbi Melnick has played such an important role in the Rabbinical Alliance of America, very well known. We have two terrific couples serving as Boneyu Shalim honorees, Albert and Louisa Allaham of the uh, well-known and, may I say, delicious Reserve Cut restaurant, <laughs> and Willie Pilku, who is in the scaffolding business and wants to build a scaffolding, a Hashem, for the Beis HaMikdash. That's truly something to aspire to. It's, Wouldn't that qualify one as a Bonei Yerushalayim, Nachum? It's an amazing goal, and yes, you're an official builder of the Jewish people if you believe in that, that's for yeah. sure. And uh, then, of course, we have Oheb Zion honorees, Daniel and Sippy Finkelman. Daniel is such a talented filmmaker who has brought the, the picture, you know, brought to words, brought to life the vision, what a terraconium accomplishes in the old city. And for, um, to top everything off, three terrific young leadership honorees, Michael Seller, Ina Vernikov, and Esty Wald, all three, the future young people who are leading the way and helping to inspire other young people to stand at the side of our ama- amazing families living in the heart of Yerushalayim. You know, uh, Shani, we, I, I, po- I point this out all the time to you when it comes to dinner time. 
Um, you you did one of the most wonderful things for us when you arranged for the JMAM staff to see some of the places you're referring to the and to meet the heroes that are really on the front lines because Yerushalayim is not all Ben Yehuda. Some areas of Yerushalayam are really rough areas to live in and, and, and to take a big sacrifice for, for a couple and their family, their children, uh, to live there. We saw that up close and personal literally on the on the front lines. And what we always say is, especially after that visit, is that they will continue to be on the front lines and expand and 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 help our city flourish. All we have to do is show up at the Marriott Marquis and enjoy a delicious, incredible dinner uh, on Thursday night, right? Is that a good arrangement? Where, where I think that sounds like a pretty good deal. Nachum, I must tell you, you're mentioning the neighborhoods where our families lived so, lived so courageously. Last year, we had the privilege, and I mean privilege, of listening to Nira Rabinovich. And Chaim Liebtag and I um, met Nira two summers ago. We were walking in Yemenite village with guards, and Nira pointed out to us a man standing on a rooftop literally across the street from her house. And she said, Shani, Chaim, that is the snake of Silwan. I said, Nira Mazeh, snake of Silwan. She goes, that's the man who directs all the terrorist activity against our buildings, our cars, us. I said, I said Nira, you're a mother of five. Can I know her? I think she just had number six, Baruch Hashem. I said, Nira, your parents made Aliyah from England. Your husband's an attorney. You're a social worker. You could live anywhere in Yerushalayim. Baipagan, Baka, Rechavia, German colony. I said, why do you choose, why are you living across the street from the snake of Silwan? She looked me in the eye, Nachum. She said without batting an eyelash, she said, Shani, is this his Jerusalem or is it my Jerusalem? Mm. He can live here and I can't? Nachum, this is the strength. This is the commitment. This is the fortitude of our families, so committed to keeping Jerusalem united with Jewish life. So what do we do? Besides saying, Okay, nice. We daven, we bench, we say these wonderful words. Does it have any meaning to us, Nachum? How do we show these families that we're with them, that we believe in what they're doing, that we stand with them. I'll tell you how, by showing support. And how do you do that? By being with us to pay tribute to our honorees and to send a message to these families. You're not alone. You're living there, but it's our Jerusalem. It's not just their Jerusalem. It's our Jerusalem also. How do we put that into action, Nachum? By visiting them, by, sh- by meeting them, by giving them chizuk, and by helping to support the tremendous families who live with their kids. And they're not scared. They're not intimidated. Nobody's run away. Nachum, we've lost, we've lost Rabbeim, like Rabbi Naftali Lavi, three years ago. And today we have a pinacham that serves food to soldiers and, and tourists and, you know, people from all over the world, you know, come to stop on the way to the hotel. It, it's, it's tremendous. We have our summer day camps, our Purim Pesach day camps, emergency security equipment for, for intercom systems and cameras. It's not an easy life, Nachum. The people who've listened to your show, who've gone on tour with us, they know what a difficult life this is. What are we asking? Stand by their sides. Show them that you care. How? 
by contributing to this dinner, by being at this dinner, by, by, by paying tribute to a giant like Joe Mermelstein. Can I, I mean, and, and by the people who, who are willing to put their, you know, to, to make this dinner successful, to bring in their friends and family and business associates, to, to be with them when we honor the families who love Jerusalem so much that they're willing to live where very few of your listeners are, are willing to live. And that's okay, as long as we show them we care. And the way to show them we care, the way to show them that we believe that Jerusalem has to be united with Jewish life, with children playing on our rooftop playgrounds, with boys learning in our yeshivas in Jerusalem. How do you do that? By being a part of American Friends of Atero Konim and showing up next Thursday night and calling me in the office today at 212-216-9270. I'll repeat that, 212-216-9270. American oh. From all of your listeners, Nachum, that of course they're going to be at this dinner to show support. For, for, for Joe Mermelstein's dream, for all of our belief in the mission that Jerusalem is the heart and soul of the Jewish people, the, and we will not forget her. The American Friends of Atarat Karnim, Jerusalem Chai, invite you to celebrate Yom Yushalayim this Thursday night at the Marriott Marquis in New York City. Dinner at 6, program at 7.30. As you heard, guests of honor of Eva and Paul Gross in memory of their father, Joe Mermelstein, many, many Distinguished honorees, Mazal Tov to all of them. And we ask everybody, as Shani Hyken just said, to log on to JerusalemChai.org slash dinner, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner, or dial 212-216-9270, 212-216-9270, and get those reservations in ASAP. Again, that's 212-216-9270. Uh, or right on the web, you can go there now, JerusalemChai.org, JerusalemChai.org slash dinner. Shani Hyken, I thank Nahum, I want to say one more word, please. It's so imperative that people come out also to hear this awe-inspiring Rabbi Yisroel Goldstein. He is mamash. I mean, I, I, when when... I spoke to him two days ago with Dr. Frager and Chaim. We spoke to him. The way he talked about Hashem giving him another chance to do good in this world and that he, wanted to, he wants that to include spreading the Rebbe's message of Yeshuv Aretz. And this is our land. Rabbi Goldstein, wow, you must come out to listen to this wonderful Rav, Rabbi Yisrael Goldstein from Chabad of Poway. Very much agree with that. Thank you, Shani, and Shabbat Shalom to you. Shabbat Shalom. Good Shabbos, Nachum. Friday, Friday morning on this Erev Shabbos, Parsha's Bahar in Israel. It'll be Bichokosai with candlelighting in New York at 7.54. It's a Memorial Day weekend. Getting set for um, uh, getting set for uh, uh, for our weekly update, which will start about 10 minutes from now. Malcolm Holmline is going to join us, Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Plenty more on this Friday. Reminder, let's help the people in Modin. Let's help the people in Mav- in Moshav Mavo Modin. Uh, the address for um, for the uh, fund that you can give to, it's on our app. If you go to the app and go to the comments section, you will see it. Go to our app, the comments section. Go to our face. Go to Facebook, Nahum Siegel. Facebook, Nahum Siegel. 
and you'll see it there. I posted it. You can literally click there and donate. And if you're on Shlomo Katz's email list, he has a donate button in his latest email communique. Please help as much as possible. More coming up. You're listening to JM in the AM. Say no, I'm not no my 
Shlomo Kalbach. Play that as we keep in mind our uh, friends in uh, Moshav Mavomo Diin. And I remind you, there are a lot of families, a lot of families that we are somehow connected to and that uh, have been in uh, Mavomo Diin for a long, long time. Uh, obviously, the Kalbachs, the Solomons, the Katzes, the Landsmoms. I mean, and, and uh, I spoke to Shlomo Katz this morning and he was describing what our friend uh, Ben Sion Solomon and his family are going through right now. Uh, the majority of the homes in uh, in Moshav Modian completely gone. And uh, the, we told you about the fund that's been set up. If you go to uh, our app, the NSN app, in the comments section, I posted the address where you could help uh, with the fund. Shlomo Katz has guaranteed me uh, that uh, every penny will be used for the um, uh, residents of uh, Moshav Modian who are in a desperate situation, obviously. Uh, also, if you go to my Facebook page, if you go to my Facebook profile, Nahum Siegel, you will find uh, the link there. Uh, plus, if you're on Shlomo's email, he sent out an email early this morning with a donate button uh, that makes it really easy to give. So utilize those methods and pay careful attention to the um, uh, to the cause, to the funds, so we can help as much as possible with the situation there in uh, Mavomodin. Uh, mazel tov to the Honline and Khan families. Uh, Miriam and Yaakov will be married, Bezrat Hashem, this Sunday down in Baltimore, Maryland. And we take this opportunity to wish Mr. and Mrs. Hanoch Honline and Mr. and Mrs. Chaim Khan, and obviously the um, the Honline grandparents, Frady and Malcolm, a very special mazel tov on the big occasion. We should continue to share smachot, and obviously Malcolm will join me in just a minute here on the JM in the AM. I remind you, our spring fundraiser continues, and I want to thank the hundreds of people that have already responded uh, through the mail and uh, through the website at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. You know what it comes down to if you like the programming and uh, find um, what we do on a daily basis uh, meaningful and inspirational, then help us fund it. Simple as that, like you've been doing for over three and a half decades. Uh, go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations, joins us Fridays for the weekly update here at JM in the AM. Mr. Holmline, Mazel Tov, and welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you. May we share many smachot. Everybody in Claudia Israel should have uh, only happy occasions to celebrate. Amen. Um, you know, I remember back in the 90s, uh, before 9-11, when we would have these conversations, and uh, very often, um, even though people were not, I don't know, tuned into it or weren't ready to hear it, very often you would speak to us about Islamic fundamentalism, and it seemed that that was the, that was the theme very often of, of what news items people paid least attention to. And I, and I think I found an equivalent, frankly, and I don't know if you agree with me on this because maybe you think people, people are paying more attention to it, but I, I think we may have found the equivalent in terms of the rampant anti-Semitic episodes that are going on in our country these days. I don't know if you saw this or not. I'd love your, uh, I'd love your reaction to it. Melissa Weiss on Twitter wrote, an incoming college freshman whose great-grandfather founded New York University's music department and was a professor there for many years withdrew her acceptance to the university. They'll be more like her until NYU shuts down rampant anti-Semitism on campus. Pair that with the fact that one of the graduation speakers this week at NYU had no problem endorsing uh, BDS and speaking about Israel and the word apartheid in the same sentence. Your reaction? 
Well, first of all, I think the analogy is uh, an apropos one. As you know, when I started in the late 80s warning about the danger of Islamic fundamentalism, even leaders in Israel, let alone Americans, thought I was nuts and that this was never going to be a factor, as I was told repeatedly. And and it was only later on, and even today, there are people who are skeptical, and you, you don't, they don't include... Um, this source is part of the anti-Semitic uh, manifestations. In fact, I, I learned yesterday from Benjamin Weinthal that you know there's a 20% increase in anti-Semitic attacks in Germany, and they cited that nine out of ten are right-wing. Mm. But what they don't tell you is that they count all Islamist and Islamic-related attacks as part of right-wing, <laughs> and so they still don't get the uniqueness and the distinctions that that uh, are necessary. And today, I mean, we are facing a pandemic of anti-Semitic attacks. It happens all the time. The NYU has become a sort of showcase because it's in New York and because of the severity of what we've seen there, there and Columbia and elsewhere. Uh, it, start, it, it started long ago, and it, it manifests in physical assaults and, and uh, attitudinal uh, expressions and all sorts of manifestations, but highlighted when recently uh, the Students for Justice in Palestine got an award. Uh, the president disavowed it and wrote me a very extensive letter um, in response to our, the concerns we expressed to him. And um, we, we, in fact, convened a meeting of the Conference of Presidents at NYU in order for our people to hear from the students uh, and to participate then in an event that the uh, Chelsea football team from England uh, put on to as part of their Stop Hate campaign, that they recognized what was going on at NYU. And I tell you this background because it's essential for people to understand that these are not as isolated an event as, as it might be portrayed. Well, anyway, when the students uh, start talking and telling their personal experiences, our presidents, who are informed about this, were shocked, literally, by the intensity by the, the experience in, in, in the year 2019 on a campus in New York, not isolated. In, in, the, um, in the latest episode, a, a, a somebody who received a doctorate at the NYU, this was their doctoral commencement, not the general commencement exercise, and uh, the, the, his report was picked up, and especially on, on social media and widely spread, where he not only endorses BDS and says how proud he is that the university and his department is the one that um, voted to sever ties with the uh, with the universities and with Tel Aviv University, I think, and other Israeli institutions. Something rejected by the president and by the university. But the the nature of his comments are is something people should see to understand the the kind of intensity of of feeling and how extreme it is. And especially if they know that this guy has an endowed professorship at Northwestern University. I, I think what this audience is most concerned about, and you could address this because of a meeting like the one you described, is NYU leadership uncomfortable with the whole thing. Yes. And, and donors and others have met with them and uh, with the leadership. And as I said, he wrote me a two-page letter reiterating his commitments and the positions that he's taken Frankly, it's not enough. And, and, you know, we had the case in San Francisco State, which was amongst the worst in the country, uh, SFSU, and they were, the pro-Israel speakers were hounded out. By the way, it can happen at NYU, too. 
and the uh, and other universities in this area and elsewhere. A Brooklyn College student had a dozen or fifteen stitches last week um, walking across the the campus. Nothing else other than the fact that he was wearing a yarmulke and got insulted. And police came, but the, um, the family didn't want to press charges for concern about uh, the ramifications. Wow. Which is a mistake because you got to report every incident. But we sued San Francisco State. The Lawfare Project took this on for two years with the help of Winston Strawn, a, a law firm, major national law firm that spent $3 million in pro bono work to prepare the case. And when it came to the court, they looked at what, what uh, had been researched, what, what they had found. And before the trial began, the university asked to settle and to really gave everything that we could have asked for in a lawsuit and more. But the question, but yesterday they found a, a swastika in a bathroom in, in San Francisco State. It is a, a national plague, and there has to be clear determination. And, and I want to credit uh, Bob Kraft and uh, Roman Abramovich, the owners of, of um the um, uh, the the Chelsea team, Abramovich, and the Boston soccer team, uh, revolutionaries, New England Revolution, who, who had who staged the game, twenty seven thousand people. But more than that, uh, the way uh, Baumkraft spoke and the others spoke with such determination, and they have this stop hate now campaign, and they raised four million dollars, which they're giving out for projects against anti semitism here in the United States. It's a a remarkable expression, and, and the event I spoke at the um, Kennedy Library event, which preceded the game, uh, and they and many prominent people came. It, it raises the concern, but what is most important is that non-Jews have to speak out on this. It's not the Jews' problem; it's everybody else's problem. We're the victims, right. but too often they say, "Well, you know, you guys deal with it. You're the Jews who who are victimized by it." No, we can't stop it. Everybody else can stop it. And until we deal with it from the left, from the right, from the Islamists, from all of those who are engaged in it, and that the policy of zero tolerance, no more excuses and no more exceptions. And if I sound emotional about it, it is because I do see very uh, threatening harbingers in what has happened in the last and, and the escalation. In New York City, 60 percent of hate crimes are against Jews. In, and this year, the number has sharply increased, and the NYPD does a great job in following it and and going after it, and the, and the leadership is committed to it. But people have to report it, and people have to, and we have to find all the ways, whether it's an educational system, prosecution, judges can't, you know, just give slaps on the wrist. There really has to be a clear message sent from every level. We're not going to tolerate it. The answer might be obvious, but what is your reaction to that tweet about the uh, incoming freshman who literally rejected, withdrew her acceptance to the university? I will tell you that uh, I have seen it now in some of the major schools. I was speaking on the West Coast, and a, a young woman was there, and she had just come back in the middle of the semester from Wesleyan and said she just couldn't take it anymore. And not a, not a Zionist activist either. But just said it was intolerable, and and I hear it all over uh, from campuses all over, and we're fighting BDS battles everywhere constantly. Most times we win. Most universities stand up to it, and and we have to focus more attention on those presidents of universities like Cornell, like Pfister, like um, Williams College, who stand against these forces of hate 
and the expressions, hey, which come from a, a small minority and usually city council, and they work to infiltrate the city council. They work to get people elected. Jewish students and others who, who are fair-minded, you know, perhaps don't run, and, and, and I don't believe they're reflective of the overall campus attitude. But there is a growing problem, and now again we see the re- resurrecting the idea of Israel as an apartheid state. Yeah, uh, more and more uh, in evidence, and the so we are fighting all of these things. We're trying, and there are remarkable efforts ongoing by uh, people, volunteers, and and professionals alike, and uh, and more and more people are beginning to understand what this really means. And we'll, we're going to keep this issue at the forefront because it's such a vital one, as I described in the opening of this conversation. Uh, Malcolm, do we know anything more other than the excessive heat and the uh, and the wind, uh, you know, certainly uh, exacerbating the fire situation in Israel? Anything else to, to report about what some of our brothers and sisters are going through in this terrible time? We Well, you know, a number of countries, interestingly, have volunteered to help Israel in this, in the firefighting as Israel's helped others when they came up with the problem, with similar problems with the the super hot temperatures that they uh, have experienced now for several days and everything is very dry. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, that it does not appear to be terrorism related, at least so far. Right. <laughs> There's no evidence that that's the problem. The fact that they're ready to accept help, or at least it seems based on the media's reports, they're ready to accept help from places like Russia and Egypt. Does that tell us that Israel's firefighting capability is uh, is not up to par. You know what the truth is? It's very hard to sustain. It's expensive to to buy all this equipment, and you know the need arises once every ten years or twenty years when right. things like this, you know, come up. But um, and that's why they they joined Israel. Bought did buy some firefighting planes, but when you have a hundred fires going simultaneously. It's yeah. very difficult to, to do it alone. One could only imagine. Your reaction to Theresa May's uh, uh, announcement about her resignation? Well, I think for us, it's, it's uh, in British Jewry, uh, it's, a, it's a loss. Uh, I, and I don't believe that, you know, we're going to see another uh, May, that the polarization of the parties in Britain, uh, the thought that uh, Jeremy Corbyn, who this this past week was thanked by his by uh, Hamas for his support uh, of a, a, a he didn't attend the rally but he sent a message and said that if he's elected you know that he will freeze all arms sales to Israel and um, said other things in in the course of his um, of his statement of his uh, remarks to them and and they. Um, expressed their appreciation to him wow. uh, for for these comments. It's not the first time, and you know he has tried to say that the you know he's not an anti-Semite. But if you look at the Labour Party of which he is part, and of his uh, sections of the Labour Party, his support, uh, he, even in, when he gave the speech, which he supposedly denounced anti-Semitism, but immediately thereafter they were all waving Palestinian flags, and he gave this fiery comments about the support for the Palestinians. You can support the Palestinians; it's not when it's expensive Israel, and he. Is clearly uh, outspoken. He's an anti-Semite by every indicator, and uh, the the thought that the Labour Party might win is is um, is dangerous. And the fact that Hamas, a terrorist organization, is thanking the guy should be, you know, should should um, freeze everybody's blood. 
and the he, and he said he would immediately recognize a Palestinian state. May that what she has was a friend. Malcolm, are you there? Yeah. Oh, there you go. Go ahead. We lost you for a second. Oh, so May maintained close relationship with Israel. In fact, yesterday the British Foreign Secretary sent a warning to to Iran not to underestimate U.S. resolve. And while they don't want war, if U.S. interests, which also means Israel, are attacked, they will retaliate. And and he said the long-term solution for Middle East is for Iran to pull back from its destabilizing activities. You won't hear that if there's a labor, labor of victory. Right. So it's a destabilizing time. Uh, 40% of British Jewry said they'll leave if he gets elected. I think the number might even be higher. Many have already taken preparatory steps. The, um, the polarization and the politicization that is taking place, and as I said, the loss of the center should be of special concern because I believe Britain is often the model of what happens here later. And we have seen the radicalization in politics here. And it's, um, to me, it's, Britain is like a laboratory for us. And it starts in Britain from the top down, from the intellectuals, the creative classes, entertainment figures, others, opinion molders, unlike in France, where it usually is bottom-up. And, and I think the United States follows that model. So the, the prospect of her resigning, she steps down on June 7th. Um, we'll have to see if, if, uh, if they go to elections. It'll raise a lot of concern. Um, what happens? She's officially replaced by a deputy or somebody in her own party until the, that election? Like- I, I don't actually know uh, the rules. I do think that, uh, that they get to to pick somebody to succeed, succeed her. And uh, we're, uh, any idea of how far we are away from new elections? I, I just don't know how it works there. Like uh, 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 No. I mean, we'll see if she, if it doesn't work. Right. Then, then but they, I think, the, you know, the Brexit vote, we have to see what the outcome of the election on Sunday will be. You know, the European, the EU elections have started already, and they have in different countries in different days. But the results will become clear on Sunday, and I think if if we um, uh, see the kind of uh, the trends in terms of some of the extremist parties winning significantly, I think that that will uh, give us a clearer picture of, of the direction in which things are headed. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio around the world and the web at com on the Nahum Siegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. Remember, our spring fundraiser is on. Please support the work we do every single day by going to fjbunity.org. Again, that's fjbunity.org. Malcolm Holmline's with us. He's Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Now that Modi has won again in India and will remain as Prime Minister, can you remind us about the relationship between Prime Minister Netanyahu and him and uh, Israel and India in general? Well, this was... uh a really important uh, election because it's the world's large, largest um, democracy, and this is the biggest democratic process in the world. I think 900 million people vote or whatever. Wow. And, and it takes months. You know, it goes over a long period. Um, and the outcome will only be known on Sunday. But right now, it looks like that he might get a majority again of the votes in the parliament, which is. 542 people, uh, and right now it looks like he has over 300 of those seats. He had 282 in in 2014, 
and this is uh, 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 way beyond the majority of 272. So this is uh, a, an important expression because it's only the second time, I think, in 40 years that the same party has won back-to-back elections. And there were many who were predicting that he would go down to defeat, and he in fact won by a bigger margin. And uh, hopefully today, in fact, we'll know the outcome, uh, the final count of the election. And Netanyahu sent him a message. He sent one back. They, the United States, obviously, very supportive. This is um, the Hindu Nationalist Party that he had, heads. Um, hopefully, will continue, and that uh, can bring some stability in uh, and continued stability. But he has been a great friend. He's visited Israel. He's uh, spoken openly and, and uh, very forcefully. I think he's the first sitting prime minister in India to visit Israel. Wow, amazing. Uh, speaking of the prime minister, it seems that his request to delay the uh, the hearing um, uh, has uh, been rejected. And uh, even though he would have preferred if this was postponed for at least a year, it looks like the uh, attorney general is ready to move ahead. Is this it now? Is this now going to be, quote unquote, put on the calendar or there's going to be more of this jockeying for position on this issue? Well, they will continue to try to postpone it. The Prime Minister wants to postpone it as long as possible. He would prefer that it get off the agenda altogether, but I don't know that that's going to happen. <laughs> that may but, not be practical. <laughs> you know, all right. Um, but it's scheduled now for October, uh, and the after the you know, term of the holidays, uh, they will have the, the initial one. But remember, there are a number of cases, and we'll have to see how each progresses. Will they you know, pick up another one soon? Will they ahead with this one. Right now, I think that the likelihood is that we won't see anything until October. You know, when you're dealing with the prosecution of a prime minister, you have to be very careful and you have to be sure of what you're doing. And you have to do it uh, thoughtfully because ramifications for a country are very severe. And that's why the laws are, are different, that a prime minister doesn't have to step down as opposed to a minister who's indicted has to step down because, you know, a minister can come back if he's found innocent. A prime minister can't. It's just not the way politics works. And so they it's treated in Israeli law very seriously. All right. Uh, this might be the story of the week, uh, and that is this, um, and I'll read from the New York Times. Palestinian businessmen have a message for the White House. It's a David Halfinger article. The message is, keep your money. Promising tens of billions of dollars in foreign investment as part of its peace plan for the Mideast, the Trump administration announced an economic workshop in Bahrain next month to show Palestinian business leaders the potential windfall they would reap under the American proposal, which has yet to be publicly disclosed. So is this, is this the only part of the, of the peace plan that we're aware of now, that there's some business component where they're trying to, I don't know, I wouldn't say buy off, but certainly try to convince um, uh, members of the PA that there's a real solid way to get your community on more solid economic ground if you cooperate? Well, so they, the, the administration's approach has been to keep this under wraps, and they've done a very good job of it. <laughs> and they've true. done a lot of preparatory work. Um, uh, Jason Greenblatt, others running around and, and took different countries to build support. Everybody knows how complex this undertaking and that it's a, it might be a Don Quixote exercise of mm-hmm. tilting at windmills because we know it's not easy. We know all the past efforts. We know that uh, Abbas is being obstinate, doesn't want to negotiate, doesn't want to have to um, engage in, in anything that would in, involve concessions on their part, and of course uses the fact that Israel cut back 
7% of the funding, which would have been made up, by the way, because of increased uh, revenues from their taxes. But he, he rejected any payment then from Israel. So the economic crisis is of his making. And we've seen the very strong statements that Greenblatt made at the UN uh, and that um, the Gaza suffering is because of Hamas and Palestinian Islamic Jihad and they put the onus on the leadership of the PA consistently. And the, uh, it appears that the way that they will roll it out, that the first phase will be this conference in Bahrain, to which some Arab countries have already indicated they would participate. Uh, others not, and we'll have to see whether it's really successful. What, you know, the, the, there's a history of them pledging funds that never get paid. And this is an attempt by the United States to raise money that will be an inducement to be able to create stability. And, and the truth is that people will feel a greater vested interest if they, and this has motivated many administrations in the past, if they feel that there is a, an economic stake, if they see the conditions of life improving. And, um, you know, that hasn't guaranteed peace in the past, but it has been the theory behind uh, a lot of um, uh, the motive, uh, the initiatives in the past. And here you have a president who an administration has really committed to it. Uh, many members in Congress have raised questions uh, about it. And by the way, we should note that 400 members of Congress wrote a letter to the president this week and, and saying, uh, 400 out of 435, that our ally uh, um, calling on the president to support Israel in defending itself against the face of growing threats, and they cite particularly the uh, uh, northern border, and that the United States should make sure they have the resources and material. So the, the good stories don't generally get covered, but that's one that people should know about. Back to the yeah, other front. On the, on, the, yeah. the, the Palestinians have already rejected it. They said they're not going to participate. They're not going to send a, a so when you, and of so when you said lobbying the Arab countries not to participate. When you said that certain countries have already said they would, give me an example or two. Like, who's who's going? The Gulf countries, uh, Egypt, have uh, been putting a lot of pressure on the Palestinians to participate. And, you know, it's fascinating to, to, to watch who's going to, you know, reject this and and dismiss the event as the Times puts it as insulting and counterproductive. At the same time, though, I think what's more fascinating, frankly, is which business people are going to be attending this. Because I assume that if the U.S. is proposing or hosting this type of conference, they have to come with someone to the table who is a potential investor. And frankly, you know how investment works. You know, it, Stability is a very big factor when it comes to investment of large funds. And I don't think there's anything about the PA or Gaza or anything that's under their umbrella that looks stable at this point? Well, I think that they're going to look to the Europeans. They're going to look to who, who give a lot of money and have given a lot of money to the Palestinians, to the Gulf and other Arab countries who have a big stake in the stability in the region as well, uh, to give money. Um, the, the, um, they, they don't trust it. They call it a kleptocracy, the government of the PA, because the money disappears. It doesn't right. end up benefiting the people. If you look at the countless billions that have been invested and in, are poured into the into the PA areas and to support Palestinians. And, and in fact, we don't see the economic development and all the other things that were um, hoped for. They even sabotaged the joint economic areas. And, and of course, BDS was something they invented and, and hurt their own people with it. So the, you know, the initiative itself 
we'll see what will happen over time. There are people who believe it will never come to it, that we won't see anything. And if we do, maybe this meeting and nothing beyond it. I know that they have met with business people here in the United States as well to gain support for uh, the initiative. It will require a a great deal of money. Uh, And the question is, can they raise it? How much of the United States doesn't want to foot the bill? They want to be the organizers and see the others come step forward and and participate, those especially who are so vocal in their support for the Palestinians, translated into into uh, real tachlis. And, 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 and with the growth and the threat of Iran and with all these things, anything that would help stabilize the region would be important. And but there's I no... think the skepticism of, about the Palestinian response is valid. And there's no other part of the peace plan that's been revealed. This is it. They've done an amazing job keeping it quiet, and, uh, you know, obviously it has to be a political component, and many people, some of the experts, you know, say that you can't just take one piece out of it. If there isn't a political horizon, then you won't get support. So I guess there will be a statement of principles of somehow the framework of this without the details. Uh, but I know that there have been ongoing discussions, and uh, there have been little hints here and there, but... Uh, until they, it, it's probably not going to come out until the end of June. Right after uh, the, after this more. conference, I assume. Right. And if you knew more, you would tell this audience, correct? Absolutely, I tell them everything. That's what I figured. Almost. Um, you know, someone comes, someone stops me on the street this week and says, "You think Bibi's going to form a coalition?" And I'm like, "Wait a second! I, I thought I thought this is over already, and it's an automatic." And then, of course, today I read that it's no automatic; that there there could be some bumps in the road. Is there progress in terms of actually forming a government? Well, they say there's progress, um, uh, but the uh, and then there's talk that Lieberman will be the uh, defense minister, right? And I think you the, predicted that here, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, yeah. and that, uh, but there's still uh, not clear how many votes because the differences between the different parties over, you know, the um, draft law and other laws. Right. Uh, it's very difficult to have a to go in with a 61 vote government without a margin of at least 66. You know, gives leverage to every single person that they can bring the, you know, defeat a government initiative, if not to have the majority of 60. Uh, the um, uh, so it, it, it has been very complex. The prime minister is now on the extension, and but he doesn't have limitless time. He needs to wrap this up in I don't know another a week or two or ten days. They have to have this finished. I don't know exact deadline, uh, but the prime president gave him an extension, and then then they can turn. The president can turn to any member of the Likud to see if they want if they can form a government. An alternative, and there are some who say, you know, blue and white members would come with an alternative leader. Right. That there could be other um, arrangements. I don't think that's in the cards. I think Netanyahu will be the prime minister, and he will cobble it together one way or another. The, it will be a very large government. They voted it in the Knesset to extend the uh, government, maybe thirty ministers, which is very unwieldy. And and always in the past they worked to cut it back, but in order to satisfy all the promises and commitments to the parties, it looks like it'll be a huge government. And you've been in those conference rooms, not enough, not enough seats at the table for something like that, huh? <laughs> you know, they need a separate building. It's crazy. All right, a couple of, I can't believe how quickly this time goes, but a couple of quick things here. Well, I don't know how quick, but important. Uh, it, you got to tell us about this discovery in Brest, uh, the Belarus border with Poland and 
its significance in modern Jewish history. Could could you tell us exactly what happened, what the discovery was, and what's happened since then? Well, discovery is still ongoing. They're they're digging in a building where they believe they will find more than a thousand bodies, mostly women and children. Unbelievable. They were uh, lined up and killed, and this is uh, it's so heartbreaking. I can hardly read the stories when you you think in Brest, which was a such an important uh, place where the uh, Briska families came from and the big Jew, the, the long Jewish history there. And, it, and it's reflective, I think, in the larger sense. And, and by the way, it met resistance in the attempt to, to try and recover the bones and to, to engage in the research. Uh, you know, Father Dubois has been traveling around in Ukraine and other right. uh, Russia elsewhere, and he claims that there are many more victims than the six million because of all of these killing uh, places where when Jews came back or during the uh, Nazi occupation, the uh, locals joined in massacring the Jews, and they had mass graves in many places, and they covered them with cement to protect them. Uh, they often looted the um, uh, so that you know the the finding of this one highlights for people what has happened often, but doesn't get uh, the media attention that this did. Unbelievable. And the juxtaposition, excuse me for comparing, but again, when you think about this unbelievable turnaround in Jewish history, did you read this week that M&M Mars is building a research and development center in Jerusalem? Yes, I think it's a, a, a great development, not just for Mars, but for Israel. And for the, this is the world's largest candy company, and it's one of, of a number of companies that have been recently um, done this, and they don't do it in a clandestine way. You notice this is it's yeah. done uh, very publicly, um, and the recognition by them of what they stand to gain. There are many other companies that are scouting buildings in Israel now because they want to move their um, part of their research and development centers there because of the creativity that is unique to, to Israel. Unbelievable. And by the way, and, it, and with all of this, the World Health Organization this week met and voted 96 to 11 to condemn one country for mistreatment or failure for health care in the territories. Was it Syria? Was it Saudi Arabia? Or Libya. Was or it Iran, Iran or, or Iraq, Libya? Or all the countries that deny people treatment, not the one that treated 3,000 Syrians at their cost, risking their lives every day to take out Syrian children. 50,000 Gazans and West Bank people come to hospitals in Israel, and, and people lining up to volunteer to drive them to hospitals where PA is charging the people to get online on the queue to go, and now cut them off and said they can't go to Israeli hospitals anymore, except if you're a leader of the PA, then you get to go. And um, the, uh, five more countries this year joined uh, the the pro uh, rejected the resolution. Germany, uh, Czech Republic, Brazil, Honduras, and Hungary. But still, only 11 and 96 voted for this resolution. If the hypocrisy of the UN isn't clear from that, and the irrationality of the moves, the anti-Israel moves, you know, Syria in, in, this week it became clear used chemical weapons in Idlib again, and the U.S. has said that there's evidence of a chlorine attack. It wasn't a call. They didn't call a session of the Security Council. The United States is pushing these issues, and thank God they are, and have been very consistent in, in doing it. But th this hypocrisy is just, it, 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 you know, it defies comprehension. You can't believe all the things that, that we see, the contradictory things that we see 
that go against all logic and, and rationality. I got this text from a listener. Uh, they wrote, um, this week I heard Malcolm speak with uh, Colonel Drawer, who commanded 700 missions putting his troops in danger into Syria to help what I think he said was 250,000 Syrian civilians. That number is staggering. Could you ask Malcolm about the details of those missions? Yes, I actually went up to the to see it myself in the middle of the night, 4 a.m., in freezing cold in the Golan, and they would cross the border after the uh, snipers would go out first and then um, trackers to make sure that there were no terrorists in the region, and then they would bring buses with people back to Israel. Then they built clinics in Syria itself. Today that, that has ended because of the change of the situation in the north with Hamas, Hezbollah, and all the others, and the Syrians moving back into control of the area so that that uh, no longer continues. And we wonder what the attitude of the people will be. So the the much larger number is those who are affected by the treatment that were provided and the training to doctors in these clinics that they set up to benefit people. The 3,000 are just those they brought to Israel at a cost of hundreds of millions of dollars, maybe more, to Israeli hospitals because they couldn't, they didn't come with insurance cards um, <laughs> to be to be treated there. Unbelievable! The whole thing is incredible. Um, why is there suspicion that there might be new chemical weapon attacks in Syria? Because there was evidence of of it, and you know they can test uh, for it. And the the um, um, and and this also, this tells you how much the the surveillance that's going on. But they are are still systematically persecuting the Kurds. We see the uh, activities in Idlib, it's a Kurdish uh, area, and, uh, and, and they feel that, the, the people feel that they've been abandoned, uh, and now this, this um, report, I guess it's still to be confirmed, but the United States seem to indicate that uh, it's a valid accusation. And finally, based on what you told us last week, and really the news of this week, uh, one can say that uh, Iran's leadership stubbornness uh, continues to... Um, uh, to um, uh, contribute to the um, devastation of their economy and, frankly, to the suffering of their citizens. Uh, absolutely. So that uh, uh, Rohani gave a, a speech. Yep. Uh, he said that the Zionists are writing the speeches for the mm-hmm. United States. Which was unbelievable. And, I mean, uh, the, the, uh, there are so many developments that we can't even talk about uh, clearly, but the, you see that they are uh, there are reports that zero heavy oil, um, and uh, leaving the terminals, the oil terminals for foreign ports between May 1st and May 9th, zero. That's what the tracking uh, data shows, um, that the uh, Hezbollah and others and their clients are being hurt by the cutback in funding and that they're becoming more desperate. But at the same time, the RGC is involved in naval combat training in Latakia in Syria, and they're using Afghan uh, fighters and with Shiite Iranian brigades, that the um, uh, that the um, uh, the extensive activities that they're engaged in, where you see the buildup, where they brought ships to the Gulf, and they they still maintain the threatening things and announcing that that in fact they are increasing the enrichment of uranium and that they can get in four days to to twenty percent and then to ninety percent, which is weapon grades goes very quickly. Uh, they, they, and they're, they're challenging the West all the time uh, uh, with these and, and challenge American interests, i.e. Iraq and, and American troops in Iraq, et cetera. And U.S. has said that they can't pull out 
if uh, in the view of these threats, we have to do more to protect uh, our, our troops there. Iran continues in the wake of this devastating economic impact that the sanctions are having, and there will be more sanctions coming. Look for it next week and, and, and the week after. Um, they have a really strong impact for those who, who are saying, well, we should do military. I think then these are more effective, and you see the people growing more restive in the, in the face of this. By the way, Turkey also impacted by this kind of economic uh, downturn. And we'll have to see whether, in fact, the, the Turkish situation plays out with the Russians about the S-400. The United States has given a warning now to, to drop the purchase of the missiles. And, the, and they even talk now about building them themselves, which is just a joke, um, because they're not capable of it. But these, these are real tension points, and every one of them can escalate. So we should watch this very carefully. I thank you. Mazel tov again. Have a wonderful Shabbos, and we'll speak Bezrat Hashem next week. Malcolm Holmline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. I remind everybody who's tuned in, if you enjoy and appreciate our programming on a daily basis for 35 years, uh, please give and support us at fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org to keep JM and the AM and the Nachum Single Network going. Uh, we have great sponsors. We have wonderful advertisers. Uh, without your help, without the component of listener support, it's impossible to move forward. Simple as that. Um, so please help us. FJBUnity.org, FJBUnity.org. JM and the AM, plenty coming up later on. Encore presentation of Table for Two with Naomi at 9 a.m. Erev Shabbos Music Mix is back. Actually, the Erev Shabbos Show is back, plus the music mix later on, all presented by our friends at Kedem. Thank you to our friends at Kedem, and thank you to Mark Zamek, who at 10 a.m. this morning, we will again hear the Erev Shabbos show, and we are very much looking forward to it. Candlelighting in New York at 7.54 in this Erev Shabbos Parshas Bahar. Day 34 in the County of the Omer. Day 34 in the County of the Omer. Um, our uh, presentation of Rabbi Yudin, speaking of donations and support, our presentation of Rabbi Yudin in the Torah portion of the week this week is sponsored by Willie Hochman and the Joel Paul Group, and I thank them for their very generous donation. Um... The Joel Paul Group, executive recruiters in the Jewish not-for-profit sector. Contact them at joelpaul.com, joelpaul.com, uh, for information about what they do and how they um, might be very anxious to meet you or your not-for-profit organization. And I thank uh, Willie Hochman and the Hochman family and the Joel Paul Group family uh, for always enthusiastically supporting and really spreading the word all year round about JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network, and uh, we appreciate it greatly. Um, this time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure, we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nahum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Bahar. Parshas Bahar has the distinction of being one of the shortest parshios in the Torah. There are but 57 psukim, but incredible, within these 57 psukim, according to the Chinuch, there are 24 mitzvos, 7 positive mitzvos, and 17 restrictions. The parsha begins with the laws of Shemitah, and Yovel, the sabbatical year. Now, 
these laws are so incredible in the sense that it shows Hashem's special, personal relationship with His people in His land, in the land of Israel. Torah tells us that when you come into the land, you are to work the land for six years. And the seventh year, it shall be a Shabbos, a year of cessation, Lashem, for God. The idea behind this is as follows. First of all, let's take note. All over the world, there is a concept of crop rotation, whereby you work the land for a year or two, then you allow it to lie fallow, so it can rejuvenate itself. Not so the land of Israel. You're going to work the land six years in succession. And then you're not going to work the land on the seventh year. Well, if that's the case, that you're not going to work on the seventh year, and you're first going to plant in the eighth, so the obvious question is, uh-oh, what are we going to be able to maintain and eat in the eighth year if we have not planted in the seventh? So Hashem says, I will command my blessing to you. And even though you've worked the land straight for six years, there'll be an, a, an incredible blessing in the produce of that sixth year that it's going to satisfy not only the sixth and for the seventh and part of the eighth. Now, the idea behind this is, and Rashi tells us this, that, wait a minute, if a person has for argument's sake, his field yields annually a thousand bushels. Well, what's going to be now in the sixth year if we have to produce for not only six, but seven and eight, then, my goodness, you're going to have in that sixth year three thousand bushels. You need more silos, you need more help, and that could be very taxing, strenuous. Come Rashi and the commentaries and tell us, wow, that you know what's going to happen? There's going to be a blessing in the stomach. In other words, that in the intestines, there's going to be a blessing that eating less is going to satiate, is going to um, provide. So if you look in the Rashi, in verse 19, and the earth, the land, shall give its produce, and you will eat and be satiated, Rashi says, Af besoch ha-me'ayin tiyeh bo ha-bracha. 
the blessing will take place within, and therefore you're not going to have to um, build more silos. But normally, a half a sandwich would not satisfy a person here. They would feel satiated after half a sandwich. Now let's continue. If the farmers are not working the land during the seventh year, what are they doing? So the Torah says that this seventh year is to be a Shabbos Lashem. Now, if we only can focus on this incredible concept, we're all familiar that in the universities, a full professor, after a certain amount of time, is entitled to a year's sabbatical. Pinch yourself. The Torah has the concept that not just a full professor, but that every farmer is a full professor. Every farmer is treated as a full professor, that every farmer is given every seventh year an opportunity to go back to the yeshiva, an opportunity to sit and learn, an opportunity for him to grow in his spirituality, showing not just for that year, but please God, what's going to follow after the Shemitah year. He's a different person with a different perspective on life. So clearly what Shemitah does is provide that incredible reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It is a very strong shot of emuna and bitachon of faith in Hashem. Now, interestingly, the parsha continues, and in Pasuk 35, the Torah says that if your brother shall become impoverished, so, and he has fallen down in the capacity to maintain himself and provide for him. So the Torah says, You shall take hold of him, and that he shall live with you, and you are to enable him to live with you. What does that mean? You are to lend him money. And when you lend him money, says the Torah, You're not to take from him interest when you lend him the money. Now, the Torah does not give a reason for this. Why not? The Kleokar gives a very fascinating reason. And that is as follows. He says that in all forms of commerce, buying and selling, what happens before a person goes and tries to convince somebody that they should purchase from you, the individual consciously, subconsciously offers a prayer to Hashem. 
Hashem, please help me that I should be presentable, that I should be liked by the person whom I'm trying to sell. Please help me in my endeavors. This is true in all areas, except when you lend on interest. The malve, the one who's lending, is giving the love, the borrower, a thousand dollars. The love is giving him back a thousand fifty, a thousand seventy-five. So he's going to make his money, and lest the borrower cannot pay back even at all, the lender, the malve, has taken his gold watch as a collateral. So basically, the one who's lending the money says to God, Hashem, you can have the day off. I don't need you. I can take care of this one myself. And the Torah is teaching so powerfully that the Jew always needs to be connected. He always has to realize that he is relying on Hashem. There's no such thing as, Hashem, I can take care of this one by myself. And it's for this reason that the Klayoka says that the Jew is not to charge interest and the borrower by borrowing with interest he is enabling and assisting the malve in this practice and therefore he too is in violation of this biblical prohibition. This is found, interestingly, right after the laws of Shemitah and Yovel, because since Shemitah and Yovel are there to show that the Jew needs to have emuna, faith, bitachon, trust in Hashem at all times, so too does this prohibition of interest set in. And finally, I'd like to bring you back to one aspect of last week's parsha of Emor. In chapter 23, Pasuk 17, where the Torah speaks of the special korban that, please God, we brought and we will bring Emir Hashem when we have the third Beis HaMikdash the Shtealechem, the two loaves that are brought on Shavuos. The Torah tells us that these two loaves are soles, fine flour, and chametz teofenah. They are to be chametz. You should know that throughout the year, most all korban mincha brought in the base of Migdash were without chametz, except for the Korban Toda. Comes along the Ramban, and the Ramban says that Vihine Bichaga Shavuos, Matan Torah, on Shavuos, the day we receive the Torah, Yovi Korban, the Korban that we're bringing is Bedin Toda. 
It's a thanksgiving offering to Hashem for giving us the Torah. And therefore, whereas all year long man shows what he can do with chametz, and therefore chametz is not to be brought, as well as chametz showing one's arrogance and what man does now on Shavuos when we receive the Torah and we have total reliance on Hashem, ah, then we can even bring a carbon of chametz. And this, the Ramban concludes in last week's parsha, in verse 17, Vizes sold, and this is the secret of what our rabbis have taught in Vayikra Rabbah, Kol HaKorbanos Petelin, that in the future, all offerings might be discontinued. However, the Korban Toda Enobateli Olam. Korban Toda will never cease. The concept of the Korban Toda is man's total reliance on Hashem. This is one of the strongest forms of preparation. Please God, for Shavuos, Haba Aleinu Litova, coming very quickly, that just as we had two days ago, Lagba Omer, which was Hod Shebahod, again, once again, uh, our admission, our acknowledgement that it's all from Him. This is the essence of Parshas Bahar. And this is what frames our mind with excitement for Kabbalah Satorah. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. and A.M. Friday morning on this era of Shabbos. Candlelighting in New York, 754. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. Uh, well, I just donated. I hope you'll also donate to the Moshav Mavomodian Emergency Relief Fund. Uh, until 9 o'clock, till 15 minutes from now, it'll still be on our app. Go to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and the iPhone. And uh, you will see under my name at about the 6.30 this morning, I posted the address to donate to the Mavomodian Emergency Fire Fund. Uh, it is being put together by a, uh, a fellowship of uh, di- people from different backgrounds. We have commitment and confirmation from Shlomo Katz that this is 100% legit, every penny going straight to the uh, residents of Moshav Mavomodian. If you have any connection... To the Kalbachs, the Katzes, the Landsbombs, the Solomons, and, and the other fa- other wonderful families there who now are completely displaced and homeless, please give as generously as you can. You can also go to uh, Facebook. Uh, if you check out my page on Facebook, Nahum Siegel, uh, you'll see it right away. It's the first thing that's up there um, to donate and to help Mavomodian. And uh, if you're on Shlomo Katz's email list, if you just click on the donate button that he sent out in today's email, you will uh, you will um, you will obviously be uh, able to donate right there just by touching or just by uh, clicking on that button. Thirteen minutes before nine o'clock Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JMN. The Yeshiva University Athletics Department is proud to announce the inductees of the Athletics Hall of Fame Class of 2019. Join us June 3rd as we celebrate the accomplishments of this distinguished group representing the university's highest ideals. Congratulations to Irv Bader, 
Steve Melner, Alex Trayman, Hadar Weiss, Josh Haston, Dave Kufeld, Elizabeth Penn, Shai Salmon, and Rebecca Yosher. To RSVP or place an ad in the Dinner Journal, yuhalloffame.com. yuhalloffame.com. And we are looking forward to that night like crazy. <laughs> Cannot wait to uh, to be there and participate in that uh, amazing uh, celebration. Um, more great music coming up. This is a uh, a selection entitled "It's Shabbos Now," eighth day at JM in the AM. We go from this eighth day at Shabbos Now selection to the brand new single eighth day released yesterday. It's entitled We All Belong. You're listening to JM in the AM. Enough. 
Show me it's possible to never give up. Never ever give up, no, never ever give up. Let's stand together, you and I. As one or better, just give it a try. Fire and ice both in our souls, we're all unique. Always hold just a piece of the puzzle in his great scheme. Brand new single, a beautiful brand new single from uh, Eighth Day here at JM in the AM, getting set to wrap up another incredible week, I must say. It's Memorial Day weekend, but we're here. We're here Monday between 6 and 9. Matis, of course, Sunday between 7 and 9. I've rummy tomorrow night. You know what happens uh, today. What happens today is uh, that you have an amazing encore presentation of Table for Two coming up. That's going to happen uh, next between 9 and 10. At 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Show with Mark Zomik, sponsored by our wonderful friends at Ketem. Ketem presentation of the Arab Shabbos Music Mix, Harry Rothenberg's video blog, 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 
It's all happening between now and candle lighting time. I thank you for tuning in and staying tuned in to NSN. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world, the web at NachumSingle.com and the NachumSingle Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app. I thank all of you who have been donating to our spring fundraiser. Thank you so much. Over the weekend, if you can, if you haven't yet donated, please 
Go to fjbunity.org for Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting, fjbunity.org, and give generously. And we thank you very, very much. Monday, we're here. It's Memorial Day. We're still here between 6 and 9. Make sure to join us. On a Sunday, Matas has JM Sunday between 7 and 9 a.m. On um, Saturday night, it's Saturday Night Seagull with Avrami. Today, Mark Zomik presents the Erev Shabbos Shon, our great Erev Shabbos music mix, both sponsored by our wonderful friends at Kedem to get you through an amazing Friday Erev Shabbos. Just keep it on NSN all day, like it seems everybody did yesterday, by the way. Thank God. Much appreciated for the Lagba Omer reaction from our audience. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Great weekend, everybody. Till Monday, Nachum Segal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.